lot of revelation, okay? We've got a lot of revelation. But where there's a lot, you know, think about eternality, living for eternity. Yeah, there's a lot we don't know, okay? So we're kind of living where Job is right now, but just in a little little different, uh, <clears throat> same, kind of the same book, a different chapter here, and we don't know what's ahead. So Job has limited, limited revelation. And as you see through the Bible... Uh, Man responds to God and God gives revelation. Man fails with that revelation and God corrects and then He gives new revelation and then man fails that revelation. You can see this all throughout the Word of God. And uh, Now, lest you think I am a hyper-dispensationalist, I'm not, if anybody knows what that is, um, especially in the, in the realm of salvation, there is no different dispensation for salvation. It has been the same thing from the beginning of time to today. It has been obedience and belief and obedience in the voice of God. It's not changed. And I know some people believe there's different people got saved differently in the Old Testament than the New Testament and will get saved differently in the during the tribulation period and the millennial, millennial reign of Christ. Not true. That's not true. It has always been the same thing. It's been faith, belief, <laughs> obedience, you know. And so we can see that. But Job is living with limited revelation. <clears throat> so, we were reminded last week that no matter how bad life gets, because we, we looked at this, uh, this, this thing that Job put out here on the tree living again, and he said, man isn't going to live again. And we said, well, yes, he is. Why? Because now we have more revelation than Job did. And we understand man is going to live again. And we are going to live again. And we were reminded of that last week. And so the, uh, the next time though, everything's going to be just right. When we close our eyes in this life and this carcass gets put in the ground and our soul is released from this body and it's in an eternal state, the next time around, you know what? We're getting a perfect body. Yeah. You know, you know what the perfect body is going to be? Everybody in this room is probably going to be four foot seventeen, just like me. Yeah. Perfect, perfect body. Yeah. But yeah, okay. Some of you don't agree with this. That's all right. That's, you have limited revelation. God gave me this revelation in a dream the other night. <laughs> but no, listen. We're going to have a perfect body. We're going to have a perfect mind. We're going to we're going to be in a perfect world. We're going to have a perfect relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Think about that. It, it, yeah, no more death, no more pain, no more, no more goodbyes, no more rejection. When we finally see Him, we shall be like Him. We shall, we shall be like Him for, when it's, for we will see Him, the Bible says, as He is. But Job doesn't understand this. Yet. Yet. We're going to get a few chapters down the road. And I'm telling you what, it's, it's pretty pretty exciting, but he obviously has some revelation about what's coming after. And I don't want to get ahead of myself because it's a great chapter, but Job does mention this. But at this point, he's in great distress and he says, I'm going to die. Watch this. Remember this from last week? Don't, don't miss this. He's, it's like he's looking at life saying, I've wasted all of these years. I'm wasting this time and I'll never live again. I can't do this over. It's like a massive waste. And it's depressing. And we can get depressed if you think about these things in your life. What a waste. I don't get to do this over again. Well, thank the Lord. <laughs> thank the Lord for that, huh? Absolutely. So, 
Tonight, though, I want to look in verse chapter 15 and 16 tonight. And this is actually the beginning of round two. Now, I don't know if anybody has ever uh, watched boxing, and I know boxing is boring now because now you have MMA. It's a lot more blood and guts, and, you know, of course, we've... We've gotten desensitized to boxing, and now it's watching somebody, you know, kick somebody else's face in. And it is quite entertaining a little bit, okay? But when you get with boxing, okay, you get into boxing, what do you have? You have rounds. You can have some 10 rounds, 12 rounds. I think Muhammad Ali went something like 12 rounds with a broken jaw. George Foreman broke his jaw in the first round, and he went 12 rounds with a broken jaw. Wow. That's, I don't, I don't know if I could handle the broken jaw in the first place, but anyway, yeah. So this is round two. This is round two. And this match between Job and his three friends, it is more like MMA. These guys are brutal. They're just brutal to Job. And so 15 opens up again with Eliphaz. Again, remember back in chapter 4, it was when Eliphaz first spoke up. Remember, they came to comfort Job and they sat with him for a week and said nothing. And I'll tell you, that was the smartest, most helpful thing they had done uh, th- their entire life could have been could have been uh, uh, better off if they had just went home after that week, but they didn't. Eliphaz piped up in chapter four, and uh, he came out swinging pretty hard in this first round. Go back to chapter four, would you? Look at this real quickly. Look what he says. I want you to remind. I want to remind you what Eliphaz is like. Chapter four and verse one. Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, "If we essay to commune with thee, wilt thou be grieved?" Do you mind if we talk to you, Job? Will this upset you if we talk to you? But who can withhold himself from speaking? Now realize, Job has just uh, just spoken for about, I believe, about a chapter here. And they're wanting to reply to Job. He's in grief. He's in mourning. He's just devastated by what's going on in his life. And Eliphaz starts out almost rhetorically, Would it be okay if we speak to you? Because, well, I'm going to speak to you, whether you like it or not. Look at verse 3. Behold, thou hast instructed many, and thou hast strengthened the weak hands. Thy words have upholden him that was falling, and thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. Job, you are mighty and invaluable in people's lives as a counselor and a helper. Look at verse 5. But now it has come upon thee, and thou faintest. It touches thee, and thou art troubled. Wow. He said, well, yeah, you're real, you know, it's easy to give help until it comes to you. Now you're the one who has fainted and you can't even handle it. Look at verse 6. Is not this thy fear, thy confidence, thy hope, and the uprightness of thy ways? Remember, I pray thee, whoever perished being innocent, or where were the righteous cut off? Even as I have seen, they have plowed iniquity and sown, and so wickedness reap the same. By the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of his nostrils are they consumed. The roaring of the lion, the voice of the fierce lion, and the teeth of the young lions are broken. The old lion perishes for lack of prey, and the stout lion's whelps are scattered abroad. He's going to go on and on here. But what he's telling Job here is essentially, bad things don't happen to good people. A plus B equals C. Here's what C. Job, you're bad. This, this is how Eliphaz came out in round one. I mean, it was pretty brutal, wasn't it? And so here we come to chapter 15. It's round two. He is going to speak once again. And uh, look at this in verse 1. Then answered Eliphaz the Temanite and said, 
Should a wise man utter vain knowledge? <laughs> Is it becoming of a wise man to, to utter vain knowledge? And fill his belly with the east wind? Now, I don't know if you realize this. If, if you get, Brother Bob, you've been there. Uh, uh, Miss Barbara, you've been there. You get, into, you get to Israel, and that east wind is coming off the desert. It's hot. It's a hot wind. And what Eliphaz is saying, it, it, look, look, it says, As Should a wise man utter vain knowledge and fill his belly with the east wind, with a lot of hot air? He's saying, Job, your mouth has been opened so much. <laughs> That east wind has just filled up your belly with a bunch of hot air. And now what's coming out is just nothingness. This guy's cruel, isn't he? Look at verse 3. Should he reason with unprofitable talk or with speeches wherewith he can do no good? Yea, thou casteth off fear and restrainest prayer before God. For thy mouth uttereth thine iniquity and thou chooseth the tongue of the crafty. Thine own mouth condemneth thee and not I. Job, you're, you're, you're condemning yourself. I haven't condemned you at all. Look at this. Yea, thine own lips testify against thee. So, after coming to visit Job to comfort him, the first words out of his mouth the first time were pretty much, you're wrong, uh, you're in sin, you're hiding something, because something that has happened to you does not happen to somebody who is godly and righteous. We've got to be careful because we can have that same mentality, can't we? You look at people going through situations in their life, you're like, oh, I wonder what they did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know why this is happening to them because like last week, did you hear what they said? Yeah, I know why that's happening. We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful with that. It could be the case, but it might not be the case. We don't know. So they've started this back and forth. And I tell you, know, I told you, just a little bit ago. It's getting kind of irritating, actually. And nothing has been accomplished. Nothing has been accomplished at all. Job, Job uh, still, his friends are still accusing him. His, uh, Job is still trying to defend himself. And we're going to see three areas here in chapter 15 that Eliphaz is going to attack Job in. He's going to attack him in these three areas. He's going to attack Job's words. He's going to attack Job's age. Or lack thereof. And he's going to attack Job's character again. Okay? So I just read verses 1 through 6. This is what Eliphaz was saying. Wise men don't utter vain, empty, pointless words. Wise men don't reason with pointless speeches. Right? Wise men don't use speeches that don't accomplish something. This was Eliphaz's attack. He says, your mouth is revealing your iniquity. Your tongue is deceptive and crafty. Your own mouth condemns you. Your lips testify against you. And so what is Eliphaz's verdict on Job? Again, well, you're not wise. You're not innocent by any means. And your own words indict you. Ouch. Yeah. So, this is... His attack on his words. On what Job has said. Now Job has said a lot. He's said a lot so far. And uh, he's given these three guys a lot of fodder. If that's what they're going to focus on. But notice next he's going to focus on Job's lack of age. Look at verse 7. Art thou the first man that was born? Or wast thou made before the hills? 
obviously not. (laughs) Hast thou heard the secret of God, and dost thou restrain wisdom to thyself? What knowest thou that we know not? What understandest thou which is not in us? With us are both the gray-headed and the very aged men much elder than thy father. His age. Isn't that interesting? He's challenging Job on his lack of age. He's saying, how long have you been around, Job? You know, you're not so old that you know all of the secrets of God. You're not so old that you have wisdom that nobody else has. Job, you're not that old. And, and because, because of that, well, what do you know that we don't know? Yeah. Notice here, he says, with us. With us are both the gray-headed and the very aged men. He, he could be talking about the three friends could be saying with us. Right? I don't think that he's, that's what he's saying at all. I think he's speaking in general. Because if he had said with us, if he meant the three friends, well, boy, then we have another, another insight to Job's age and the age of his friends. But I think it's a little more general here. I don't think it goes that direction. He says with us, on the planet today, <laughs> is the gray-headed, very aged man, much elder than your father. There are people that are older than you, Job. There are people that are older than your father, all, that are still alive today, that are older than us. So, obviously, you don't know everything, Job. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why I enjoy this discourse. It's kind of funny to me a little bit. Brilliant defense of of Eliphaz, isn't it? Uh, That was sarcastic. Not really. Not really. It's kind of dumb, actually. Obviously, Job knew there was people older than himself, especially if his father is still alive, right? (laughs) He wasn't trying to act like he was knew more than anybody else because of his age. But Eliphaz is challenging Job's wisdom and knowledge by reminding him that older people are alive. There are still older people than him that are alive. But you know, this is a really bad argument. Actually, it's not biblical. Okay, let's give Eliphaz a little bit of leeway here. He has just as much of a lack of revelation as Job does. I'll give him a little room here. But wisdom doesn't necessarily come with age, does it? How many, how many of you know people that are up in years that don't have wisdom? Boy, there is a, there is a, I don't, I don't, I don't want to even mention her name. There's a, there's a, a talk show self-help lady that used to be on the radio. I don't even know where she went anymore. And uh, uh, what was her name? Dr. Laura. Remember that? And somebody, somebody called in, man, she was brutal too. And uh, somebody called in about their parents getting taken by some scam. And she says, well, because they're greedy. I was like, ouch. (laughs) She goes, there's plenty of people, your parents' age, that don't get taken by scams. It's because they're greedy. But you know what? Yeah, just because we're older, just the older we get doesn't mean we get more wisdom. Knowledge doesn't always come with age, does it? Yeah. If you need a case in point tonight... um, have you watched the presidential election going on? Yeah. There is a candidate that might fall under that category of um, an abundance of age and a lack of wisdom. Yeah. So. But you know, if, if Eliphaz had the Proverbs, or if he had the New Testament, he would have known that what his argument was really bad, actually. Proverbs 2, 6, For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. 
Isn't that a wonderful? You, listen, you can be young and have wisdom. You can be old and have wisdom or vice versa. You can be either one of those. But we know that, that wisdom and knowledge and understanding comes from God. We've got to go to James chapter 1. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberty, liberally and upbraideth not. Which that word upbraideth, you know what that means, right? It means he'll never turn you away. That's confidence. I tell you, every morning we should probably wake up and say, God, I need wisdom today. I'm asking you for your wisdom. And He will give it to you. Down in James 3, 17, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easily to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. This is wisdom from God. There is an earthly wisdom, right? And, and it is possible, there is possible as we get older to get some more earthly wisdom. But true wisdom, we know, comes from God. I love that in James. That wisdom from God, I need to go back and dwell on this sometime, is full of mercy and good fruits. God's wisdom is full of mercy. Think about that. You can think about that this week and go back and look at that. So Eliphaz has attacked Job's words. Eliphaz has attacked Job's age. Uh, thirdly, Eliphaz is going to attack his character. And that's verses 12 through 35. We're not going to read that. It's going to take too long. You can go back and read it. But let me give you a little bit of a highlights here, what it, what's going on here. Eliphaz does say some things that are right. They're right. Look at verse 14. I'll read a couple verses anyway. What is man that he should be clean? And he which is born of a woman that he should be righteous? Behold, he putteth no trust in his saints. Yea, the heavens are not clean in his sight. How much more abominable and filthy is man which drinketh iniquity like water. That's kind of true, isn't it? Right? But it's the wrong application. He, he, he's applying it to the wrong person. So he says some things that are right. But the rest of this chapter, he says a lot of stuff that's wrong. And you can go down through chapter, or verse 30, 17 through 35. And essentially, let me sum up what, what he says again. It's nothing new. Like I said, round two is just like round one. There's nothing new here. All he's, all he's saying again is bad things only happen to bad people. And that's not true. That's not true at all. Okay. So, all of Job's words have not been enough to convince Eliphaz that he is suffering, but not because of sin. You know what? Eliphaz doesn't buy it. He's like, no, there's something hidden, buddy. You are hiding something, and you're, it's, this is why this is happening. All of, your, all of the bad things in your life are just revealing what's going on in the sin of your life. So, look here, and we're going to jump into chapter 16 now. We're moving along, right? Amen. Moving along, chapter 16, Job is going to have a request. Job's going to take a shot at Eliphaz. <laughs> and I want you to notice first here in, in the first few verses, Job's anguish. Look at this. Job answered, I, I love the sarcasm of Job, really. Job answered and said, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are ye all. <laughs> wow. Notice verse 3. Shall vain words have an end? Are you ever going to stop? (laughs) 
or what emboldeth thee that thou answerest? Well, you ever notice on, on social media, people behind a keyboard get real brave? Man, they can type some nasty stuff. Yeah. Here's Job saying, what, what is emboldening you? Now, they're face to face. He's pretty brutal. Could you imagine him on Facebook? Wow. He'd be, <laughs> he would have like two followers, you know. <laughs> he said, shall vain words have an end, or what emboldeneth thee thou, that thou answerest? Now, notice this in verse 4. Look at this. I also could speak as ye do. Job said, I could act just like you. I could talk just like you do. Look at this. If your soul were in my soul's stead, Job said, if you were suffering like I am, Eliphaz, if you, were, if you were in my condition, I could speak like you. I could attack you like you are attacking me, right? Because watch, if Eliphaz is right, then Job would be just as justified to attack Eliphaz if they switched roles. And so Job says, I also could speak as you do if your soul were in my soul's stead. I could heap up words against you and shake my head at you. I could get, I could throw out accusations. I could shake my head in disgust every time you start talking. I could just sit there and go, oh, oh, seriously, oh, you know. <laughs> don't you don't you know when Job was talking? You, could you imagine all the the body language going on while Job was talking? That would be that's a, another video when we get to heaven. I want to see this whole thing play out. You know, we'll have eternity. It doesn't matter how long that one takes. We we can watch this. So I want to see. I want to watch this. Okay. But watch, watch what Job says here. Look at this. Look at verse 5. Job is still in anguish, but he attests to something that's really beautiful. Look at verse 5. But. He said, I could do what you're doing, Eliphaz, but I would strengthen you with my mouth and the moving of my lips should assuage your grief. Though I speak, my grief is not assuaged. And though I forbear, what am I eased? Job said, I, I, I've, because of what I've experienced, I could turn around to you if you've experienced this and do what you're doing to me. But, be, but if you were to be in my stead, Job said, I would seek to strengthen you. And I would seek that the words of my mouth would assuage your grief. Assuaged. I've got a, I think I've got a, I've got a, I've got that. Where did I put that? Ah, I've got a definition, assuaged. To, to a lie. That didn't help, did it? Don't you love dictionary definitions that you need? How many of you have looked up a word and looked up five other words down the line just to find the first word, you know, all the different words they use? Yeah. To mitigate. Okay, that's a little easier. To ease or lessen. It's like, why don't you just start with that one? That was easy, right? Ease or lessen as pain or grief. To assuage means to ease or to lessen pain or grief. So this is Job's reality. Job's reality is this. You have wearied me. You have aged me. Look at this, verse 8. And thou hast filled me with wrinkles. 
which is a witness against me, and my leanness rising up in me beareth witness to my face. His face is showing the anguish of his life. He says, you've hated me. You have gaped upon me with your mouth. It's like, what does that mean? Well, gaped means to open the mouth with a desire to injure or to devour. Words. Words set on to injure somebody. So he says, you've wearied me, you've aged me, you've hated me, you've gaped upon me, you have, ga- you, you have ganged up on me. Look at verse 10. They have gaped upon me with their mouth. They have smitten me upon the cheek reproachfully. They have gathered themselves together, all three of them, against me. So Job is in absolute pain, both physically, mentally, and spiritually, and his friends have done nothing to help him. So what is Job looking for here? What is he asking for? Okay, I'll give you a hint. Comfort. Oh, I gave the whole thing away. (laughs) He's looking for comfort. He's wanting his grief assuaged. He's wanting his grief lessened and eased and taken away. Could their words do that? Yes, they could. But instead, they chose words to destroy him. See again in verse 5, I would strengthen you with my mouth. And the movement of my lips should assuage your grief. But you're not doing that for me. Job saying, because of what I went through, if you went through this after I've gone through this, I would seek to comfort you. So when it comes to helping someone who has been through a traumatic experience, there are three responses that we can have. We can have empathy. We can have sympathy. And we could have, thirdly, we could have compassion. Now some may throw pity in there, and pity is pretty close with sympathy. But I'm just going to choose these three. Empathy, sympathy, and compassion. Empathy is the ability to imagine some, yourself in the condition of another. It's like a vicarious participation in another's emotions. No, you haven't experienced it. You don't know what they're going through. But you have just the same taken on yourself their pain, their emotions, their trauma, their, their hurt. And, and you now hurt with them. That's empathy. Sympathy, the definition of sympathy is a general kinship with another's feelings, no matter what kind. So essentially, Job would be having sympathy, partly, on Eliphaz. Why? Because they've experienced the same thing. You have a tragedy in your home, and you run into somebody down the road that had the same tragedy, and they can have, maybe before you did, and they, you tell them about the story, and they have great sympathy. Because they've been there, Right? They may have said that. I, I, I've been there, man. I've been there, man. That hurts. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm praying for you. I've been there. That's sympathy. Compassion 
is a deep sympathy for the sorrows of others. Now, now listen to this. This is with the urge to alleviate their pain. Assuage. It's a deep sympathy. So what, what did Job have? Job had compassion. Yeah, we saw if Philippaz went through this, yeah, uh, sympathy Job could have had. But Job wanted would say, said, "I would seek to see to see your pain assuage, to be eased, to be taken away from you." Job is saying, "I would have compassion on you." Compassion. In all practicality, Job's three friends couldn't have sympathy. They hadn't been where Job is. Empathy could have only gone so far. They actually probably would have been better off if they had some empathy and just walked away <laughs> instead of destroying him. See, what Job was looking for here tonight was, was compassion. Though The one thing this ordeal created in Job was the ability to have compassion on those who were hurting. Did you catch that? The one thing this ordeal in Job's life that we have revealed in chapter 16, that it's the one thing that has, that has been created in Job's life because of his ordeal is his ability to have compassion. To have compassion on those who are hurting. Isn't that a pretty good reminder for us? Yeah. We live in a hurting world, don't we? You are members of a body here tonight. Those of you who are members here tonight, you are members of a body with fellow members who are hurting. Yeah. Do you know that God shows compassion? Listen to Psalm 85, verse 15. Uh, but thou, O Lord, thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. That's our God. He's a God of compassion. Amen? Are, amen? Are, are we good? Are, do you like a compassionate God? Or do you want, do you want Allah? I mean, that's, that's a different way, route to go, right? No, God is compassionate. Jeremiah 12 and verse 15. You've got to realize when Jeremiah said this, uh, Israel had been, been uh, Ju- Judah had been taken into, or uh, Israel had been taken into Babylon. Judah had been, uh, or Israel was in Syria. Judah went to Babylon. Uh, they had been taken and pushed out of the land. God had ran, run them out of the land. And Jeremiah said, chapter 12 and verse 15, And it shall come to pass, after that I have plucked them out, I will return and have compassion on them, and will bring them again, every man to his heritage, and every man to his land. So Israel's coming back to the land. It's all over the Old Testament. He's coming back to the land. But look what Jeremiah said. God is going to return one day and have compassion on them. He's going to assuage their grief. Wait a minute. The grief that they are experiencing and the grief that they're experiencing even today is of their own doing. Yeah. We have no king but Caesar. His blood be upon us. God said, okay, you got it, you got it. But God says, I'm going to return someday and I'm going to have compassion on them. Isn't that beautiful? 
No. Are, are we saying we don't, we don't have anything in our life that we have done of our own free will against God? Of course we do. Hasn't God re- revealed His compassion upon you? <laughs> Amen. Matthew 9 and verse 6, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved, Jesus, was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion on them. Why? Because they had fainted. And they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus still having compassion on Israel. So God shows us compassion. And we see that we are called upon to have compassion as well. I mean, kind of obvious, right? If the God of heaven lives in us, if we're indwelt by the Spirit of God, if Jesus, we are in Christ and He in us, and God is a God of compassion, shouldn't we be people of compassion? Yeah. Amen? We good? Okay. Let me read you a couple verses here. 1 Peter 3.8 Finally, be all of one mind having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful. Don't, no, it's not like, you're pitiful, man. No, no. Show pity and be courteous. First John 3, 17, But whoso hath this world's goods, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Wow. That's rough, huh? So you say, this is, a, this is a brother of mine. They have a need in front of you and there's a need that you can meet and you go, nah. No. John rightly asks, well, how, does, how, how is it then that the love of God dwells in you? How is it the God of compassion dwells in you if you don't live in compassion? A deep sympathy a deep sympathy with the desire to alleviate the pain. You know, as you look over the pain of your own life, the disappointments, the rejections, the failed relationships, the bad choices, the right choices that brought not the not the response you thought would bring. <laughs> no, just a, a life of pain. The discouragements in your life, the pain in your life, the loss in your life. When you look when we look over our life, I wonder if we've taken the opportunity to consider that maybe God has allowed these things in our life so that we can show God's compassion in the lives of others. You say, can't we learn compassion another way? Wouldn't it be easier just to learn compassion like by reading it and go, okay, I'm going I'm to have compassion now. Remember the life of Joseph? Yeah. Compassion on his brothers? He sure did experience a lot, didn't he? At their hand. They did it to him. And when they came down, he wept. He had compassion on them. Beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, didn't it? Yeah. They're going to look on him one day whom they pierced. But thinking about Jesus, what about him? 
What about Jesus? Hebrews 4.15, We have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. There it is. Jesus is able to have compassion on us, not only because He's God, but because of what He experienced in His human body. Is that what it says there in Hebrews 4.15? We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. Compassion. Compassion. Let me ask us tonight, it's a good reminder for us, and we're we're done here tonight. I'm always amazed when I start down through a chapter. Sometimes I'm amazed where it ends up. I wasn't expecting it. It's exactly what's here. Job was begging for compassion. He needed some compassion and he said, because of his experience now, now he's able, he said, if you're like me, I would show compassion to you because I know what it feels like. Do you have compassion? Has God allowed pain and hurt in your life that you don't understand? I mean, we could all say yes to that, can't we? <laughs> yeah. Listen, 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 please. If God is going to be successful at making you like Jesus, He's going to allow pain in your life. He is. But it's not for us. It's for Him. It's for Him. Watch it. Because the, listen, the world will never understand a life They'll never understand it. A life that has been broken. And instead of being bitter, it exudes compassion. Now there's a lot of bitter Christians out, aren't there? They're not real fun to be around, are they? They certainly don't exude out of their life. The boy... That's Jesus. Yeah, not at all. The world will never, they will never understand that. How is it that with all that you've been through and all that you, why do you act like, how are you this way? Well, Job said now he's able to do it because of what he's experienced. Watch, if we have Christ in us, so can we. We can, be, we can be a people of compassion. Does compassion mean to minimize sin? No, not at all. Does compassion mean to uh, just, uh, just look over sin in people's life? Nope, not a bit. It's not what it means at all. Not what it means at all. Because sometimes assuaging people's grief from sin is showing them how to get out of it. That's compassion, is it not? It's compassion to show them the Word of God and show how they can how they can fix some things in their life, the sin that's in their life, and show them how they can be released from these things. But it can be done with compassion. Why? Because but by the grace of God, there go I. Yeah. I hope you caught this tonight. God allows things in our life so that we can come out 
just as compassionate as Jesus is. And I think it would be good in Nixon, Missouri, that we are known in town, not a church that's bitter and angry, (laughs) but a church full of compassion. Because then they'll see Christ. They'll see Christ. You know where Christ is not seen? And that raving maniac that's just, oh, he's a lot of Bible knowledge. He has a lot of Bible knowledge. They have no compassion whatsoever. It's one thing I was always impressed. Those of us and those of you who are much older than I and even the ones I've been exposed to over the years, there were some Baptist preacher, independent Baptist preachers, and they just had no compassion. They just had, they were hard. I know, and I know it was a different day. I understand that. There's different days. But then there were some in that same era. They were just as hard, but boy, they had compassion. And you could see it all over them. Yeah, they, they weren't compromisers. Compassion doesn't mean compromise, okay? Right. So, the things that God has allowed in your life Have they made you more compassionate? Or have they made you bitter? God intended that they make you compassionate like He is. And the choice is going to be up to you whether you allow Him to do that in you and become known as a person of compassion instead of bitterness. May God help us to be compassionate people seeking to assuage the grief of those around us. How do we assuage the grief of the lost world? Give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. All right, looks like it's time to go. Father, thank you for, the, for your word tonight. Compassion. Lord, would you help us as we look back at our own lives, things we didn't understand, the things we don't know why you allowed that we could just be certain that we could just settle a couple things maybe this Lord that maybe you've allowed some of these things in our life you've allowed them like you've allowed the things in Job's life just maybe you've allowed some of these things in our life that we would learn compassion and that we'd be ready to help those to assuage the grief of those that are going through some things that we have gone through as well. Would you help us to be like Christ? And it just, Father, it makes sense. It makes total sense. If you're going to make us like Jesus, if you have promised to conform us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ and make us like your Son, Lord, we are going to experience some things so that we live in the same compassion as Christ did. So would you help us in that? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.